0: Welcome to Dawn of a New Era podcast. Today, we have the fellow Northerner, Simone Roche, MBE. And we've just been having a lovely chat, actually, on um, offline. And we're going to share some of those topics, actually, because we were just talking about something we're both very passionate about, because Simone has uh, founded Northern Power Women. And also, you've got the Northern Power Futures. You've got about 60,000 people on there at the moment. And one thing that I think we share a joint passion on is giving people a voice and and shaking up the the whole presence of online and making sure that we have inclusion and diversity across all platforms and that more and more people now are are, are ready to step up and, and, and want to have a voice. And I think the more opportunity we can give, the better. So on today's podcast, we're going to be diving into Simone's very, very vibrant life. I think the thing that shocked me most, right, was when I saw that from seeing you speak for many years and things like that, that you joined the Royal Navy at eighteen, right, as a radio operator, and then became a lieutenant, right, and then you've evolved into one of the the, the sort of biggest people in event spaces. So just talk us through the the, the <laughs> beginning of your journey because it's fascinating.
1: Do you know what? It's crazy, actually, because I think uh, it's the start of this week would have been my, if you like, my uh, my reniversary, as we as we would have called it. So the twenty first of March, nineteen eighty eight, off I trooped from Lime Street Station in Liverpool. It was sort of like ten hours down to uh, down to HMS Raleigh, uh, and I felt for those of you who are old enough will remember like Private Benjamin, and I thought that's what it was going to be like. I thought I was going to be getting <laughs> off that bus at the other end, doing press ups, and you know all. Of that kind of stuff and it was for me it was the best thing i could ever have done with my my life i absolutely loved and embraced everything about that you know i had no idea what i wanted to do i was kind of um I think i exhausted academia, you know, I'd done, I think I'd gone, I'd done through school and I was, you know, I was so, so great at maths and languages, pretty rubbish at writing all the other stuff down and and, <laughs> and science and stuff. Um, and so I just didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did A-levels, um, but then I didn't want to do the university thing. I was, I, I wanted to do some practical learning and actually, yeah. quite frankly, Dawn, I wanted an adventure and yeah. so off I, off I went and it was in the days before women went to sea. It was actually illegal. Um, and I I I just I think I just embraced everything, you know. It was it was a real it was a real sort of um sense of community. It was a sense of, yes. you know, God, talk about coming out of your comfort zone every single minute of the day. But so being I, I, an entrepreneur was probably
0: a breeze for you after that.
1: Well, gosh, I never would have believed. Like like yeah. then, you know, 33 30 years <laughs> ago, I wouldn't have believed I'd be here now talking to you on a podcast I wouldn't believe it but equally I also wouldn't believe that you know I would would be an entrepreneur that's a scary scary space isn't it you know so it's it's, people have perception don't they
0: that once you know they they see your name they see MBE etc you know they just assume that you woke up you decided to be an entrepreneur and that was it but the journey that you've taken has been quite interesting because you were heavily into events so you were uh, Blackpool Persia Beach, uh, Aintree,
1: you were um, Olympics Uh, Southport (laughs) Theatre, yeah... Well, you know what? I, I, I learnt my trait in the Royal Navy. You know, so there's a one of the best marketing campaigns or marketing slogans is is still in existence, which was, you know, I was I was born in the North, but I was made in the Royal Navy. And I think there's a bit of there's a real something in that. Um but I was definitely one of those people that took every opportunity. And the opportunity the the the, the Navy affords you so many opportunities to to volunteer, to get involved. And I think that's definitely where I learnt my kind of jump into things and jump out your comfort zone because you, you're in it every day. But well, I was based at NATO headquarters down in London and mm-hmm. there was always NATO conferences getting on. So again, I would volunteer to get involved. And then ultimately, sort of three or four years later, when I, I progressed through the ranks to uh, a, a lieutenant for a midshipman, then a sub lieutenant, and uh, and I went off to drive warships, so to speak, which sounds very very fancy. Yeah. Albeit the, the thing that wasn't cool is because um, when you when I joined the navy in eighty eight, the height limit was four foot ten, and three years later, when women were allowed to go to sea, they'd up the height limit to five two, but they never remeasured me because I was already in oh. the system. <laughs> so when it came to driving a, um, a a warship, they had to build me a box to stand <laughs> on. So- so how tall are you? I'm five foot and a tiny bit, Dawn. Oh, five foot is a tiny bit important, yeah. It's a tiny bit. I've got a standing desk to make me look taller, so I'm not slouched okay. in the chair. But there was something about that when you're at sea, um, you know, again, you have always have additional roles and responsibilities. So was sports mm. officer, logistics officer, one of the most important things on a ship is making sure the mail gets to the right port on the right day. Mm-hmm. Obviously now there's mobile phones and internet, but there wasn't in that in that anyway. day. And, but, it was all of that. I got involved in so much. And I think that's where my hunger for events in connecting mm. people came together, because it's the, you know, a- anyone who's ever worked in, on a, a large event or any event knows that it's all about administration and coordination. Oh, it's it's not about... It's seamless, isn't it? there's no, it's not about red carpet and Prosecco, is it? It's about no, not. Um, the behind the scenes to be done. Yeah. I, I know, so, so is that really, that's Ooh. what sort of drew me in into sort of wanting to put those skills. And I think this is where, like you say, you don't just wake up one morning and have that tra- tra- trajectory. It's the different skills that you pick along the way. And at some point you form them into your different career journeys. And, uh, I think that's, interesting of the whole northern power women uh, um you know never thought about gender equality while i was in the royal navy or equality or stuff like this just didn't i'm passionate now about being able to showcase all role models like yourselves you've been on the podcast having different voices be heard be amplified it's so important that people can see people like them not like them when learn about different journeys i think is so so important that's why I'm, i'm delighted to be here with you today
0: Well, see, one of the things we were talking about just before we came on was the fact that I've really taken to kind of looking at challenging the status quo and the kind of looking at people that I haven't heard of before, you know, Mm -hmm. new authors, new speakers, people who are at the the beginning of the journey or who have been the most established, but they're the best kept secret. And I think we have to give the opportunity and bring these people to the forefront. And, you know, and and we're both kind of very passionate Mm -hmm. about it. I mean, in your journey, do you feel that obviously coming out of obviously the navy going into obviously corporate that you felt that it was a natural step to be an entrepreneur i mean do you feel like you've made a sacrifice by taking that route rather than staying in a corporate role
1: oh my gosh for never in any of that those years where i was in the the corporate world and the sector skills council world and the hospitality world never in a million years did i want to be an entrepreneur all of that yeah. risk all of mm-hmm. that stress everything's on your shoulders mm-hmm. you know everything starts and ends with you oh my gosh gosh how are you going to be able to fund the travel expenses who are you going to eat how's all this going to happen and yeah i'm an entrepreneur and i just don't eat <laughs> 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 no it's, i think it's really weird There's was um, my sort of i think my i think there's also sliding doors moments aren't there and there's a wonderful entrepreneur called lara morgan <laughs> And I was desperate for Laura Morgan to speak at the TEDx event that I was organizing. So, going back to giving unearthing uh, voices and messages, um, uh, I, I Founded or co-founded TEDx Whitehall Women back in 2012 with yeah. a wonderful friend Ruth Shaw, and we were desperate to to find different voices to put on the stage. Anyway, I came across Lara and thought this is somebody I want to to speak with, and I remember having a conversation with her. We ended up moving three times as we went, and she is the ultimate serial entrepreneur. Mm. And at one point, she just went. Why the F are you not doing this for yourself? This is effing ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm, you know, and I just thought, well, and I'm I'm fine. I'm okay doing what I do. But it was that one thing that she said. She said, but this is all about you, Simone. This is you. This is your brand. This is your standards. This is all about your values in this. So you may be doing this, but it's, it's you that's driving it. And, it. and it stayed with me. And I think it shaped then my thinking over the probably the next three months. And so the things that happened may have happened anyway, but I think you're more mindful to Or I was more open and yeah, exactly. saw things as an opportunity. And I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. Never saw myself as that. Why I'm not afraid to take a risk. I'm financially risk, you know. And I know you had the fabulous Sharon uh, earlier this week, who I love. And I think that's the great thing about entrepreneurs is everyone's different. And everyone, thank goodness, right? You know that's why the uniqueness and the the, the 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 craziness of it all is is wonderful. So yeah, I definitely on a totally different track uh, um, or different you know vibe to how other people do it. But I think the one thing I'm passionate about is I think on the day I set the business up, I was adamant: could I only work with people that I liked and I valued, you know, or, or their value set. And I have. And every time there's been a something that has skirted around that edge and my gut has gone, well, no, that's not right, it hasn't been right. You know, so I think there's... instinct. Mm.
0: Mm. I'm a... And that, and and I think the thing you say about entrepreneurs and uniqueness, most businesses are not are not unique. It's it's the entrepreneur, the business owner that that's running it, and and their principles and values or vision and mission, and and that is the the spice of life. I mean, when you meet somebody, you just either know it or don't, don't you? And and I think for me, my entrepreneurial journey, I've gone with my gut, and you're right. Whenever I've just felt not right, it hasn't, it hasn't panned. And I think the thing is, we have to have the confidence in ourselves sometimes to believe that we're doing the right thing. It might go epically wrong, but, you know, then it's down on us. Growing up then, tell us about your childhood then, you know,
1: was it kind of conventional? Because, you you know, you grew up in Liverpool, didn't you? Uh, Just out in the sticks, actually. We lived in Liverpool till I was four and then moved out into sort of cross the border into Lancashire. So quite in the middle of nowhere, only child, um, but big sort of northern kind of family, if you like. You know the cousins and and my birthday um, and also happy birthday for tomorrow to you, Dawn. <laughs> my birthday I always think is the half Christmas, twenty fifth of June. You know, right smack bang in the middle of the year, and everyone would gather in 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 our kind of garden or house, and there'd be there'd be bodies and sleeping everywhere, you know, kind of thing. But Stephanie grew up in that in that vibe. Uh, everyone would be at northern power Nanas on a on a Saturday that the the men had gone the match and the women were down the bottom road doing messages. I never knew, understood what that was. I always used to think they worked for like, you know, MI5 or something, but yeah, really kind of close and sort of extended. So even though I was an only child, I felt very kind of supported, really kind of mum had multiple jobs, a kind of thing. And, and just, remember just thinking always had really strong women and strong people around yeah. me but never really thought of it you know sort of in that sort of yeah. equality of but you knew it had an impact later yeah, yeah. but it was there was definitely a, as I say I, I went through school you know quite average and when I eventually when I sort of joined the navy when I told my mum I was going to join the navy she was like oh my god you'll never keep your room tidy and you know I never did I just had a good way <laughs> of disguising it but there was it was um it was like I always wanted to play football for Everton mm-hmm. and you know there wasn't any uh notable women's football in those days it wasn't a thing you couldn't even find a top that was female you just had to get a youth you know this was but my nan was always like you know she was always like I'm, get, I'm gonna I'm going and she would make me a tracksuit and show the so the badges on it so there was uh, never anything that I couldn't feel like I couldn't do, if you know what I mean. So whether it'd be my grandfather teaching me to pay uh pay poker or my nan teaching me to do this, there was all those kind of had that that kind of real love of a, a good family. But when I joined the Navy, I remember just they were just so proud, like so mm-hmm. proud, so shocked yet so proud. So
0: thrown in that, you know, you wanted to play for Everton. I mean, where did that come from, Simone? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean big Ethiopian fact but my nan my nan, my grandparents literally um, lived Sort of yards away from the ground, so there was no way I could, I would ever grow up to be a Liverpoolian without being sort of excommunicated from the family. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was just a, a real sense of it was definitely a loving family. When I joined the navy, three a couple of years in, literally two years into uh, joining the Royal Navy, I lost my dad. My dad died really, you know, it was it was a stomach ulcer, it was something else, and six weeks later he died, and it was stomach cancer, and it just hadn't been found. All those kind of things, and, and I think. That that was really challenging, and God, this is going to sound really wrong, but they the Royal Navy sent me to the Careers Office in Liverpool to work. You know, was a as a base, so I, you know, only child. My mum was only young; she was only late thirties, which um, seemed old at the time. And they just gave me; they wanted to just make sure I had the. If you like the family around me of the of the forces if you like and I always think that was the best thing I ever did it was the best yeah. job I ever had it was a great distraction but during that time I got to go out and visit schools with the Royal Navy youth presentation team. And that, I think, again, that was start of this sort of vibe about supporting young people, making role models visible. So it's, I think there was a culmination of, you know, whether it be my family role models and then in the Royal Navy and then going into the. It was almost like these all these building blocks sort of came along the way
0: life hasn't it all the way through and and do you know what you've kept your roots because you've just told me that you live on a houseboat and when did this happen <laughs>
1: well you know where, where are we now gosh it was, it was the best part of 11 years ago uh, my husband and I were on a sailing holiday in Greece drinking really bad Greek wine and um, my husband's his job had been uh, there was a threat of redundancy local authority it's always been a job for life and then all of a sudden this came up and I could see him getting stressed and, you know, we were on the sailing holiday, as I say, and and I'm like, we'll live on a boat. You know, when you're on holiday and you have that idea, I'm going to sell shoes on eBay and that yeah, sounds... know it
0: seems valid, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: uh, and, and we had this conversation and, and we were like, we can live on a boat. That's what we'll do. We can sail. That's, you know, and, and we came back and... We started looking around and we st- I, I was really mindful that stress is a killer. And mm-hmm. I actually, I could see I'd, my husband is always glasses is, is full up to the top, you know, and I could see a change. And I thought we need to make we need to change something. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we said we started looking at houses and uh, flats to downsize to sort of be proactive, just in case he lost his job or, or whatever. And After a couple of weeks, we found out his job was safe, but we we kept looking because we thought if this happens again, and lo and behold, it did time and time again. We want to let's remove that that killer aspect, the stress mm-hmm. out of his life, and so that's where we said, right, why don't we look at boats? And we we started looking around. We told no one because we didn't want people to sort of dismiss the. the the idea is totally ludicrous we wanted to form it in our heads of course it was totally ludicrous Um, but we did we went the the length and breadth of the country looking for boats to buy couldn't find anything so we built one so it was a a labor of love and hate and frustration and you know so many things it was like a big grand designs project so we now have Lady Isabella named after my northern power nana we've been there nearly gosh nine years now Uh, you know she's here in in Liverpool she's fabulous. Uh, but yes, I think it goes back to my roots of, I think I am part Mermaid Dawn. I think that's what I, think I am. You are. There seems to be like this affinity, this sort of synergy that you
0: have with the water. I mean, I'm still fascinated about the fact that you joined the Navy because I just think that if if people were to meet you or see you on stage, etc., it is the furthest removed role that you could ever think that you would do. So I know that you've probably got an abundance of these. Is there any uh, funny stories that you've got from sort of in, in your career or as an entrepreneur that you'd like to share?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. This, is, I mean, the navy would give you a whole kind of, uh, I think, <laughs> a whole a whole kind of thing on uh, on uh, you know sort of my career. I think the, I think the um, the entrepreneur journey has been so interesting, though. I think I think the. The dots that we've been able to join, the mischief that we've been able to create, the, the businesses that have been influenced by just those, those pure kind of, uh, you know, those connections by fun and, and whatever. But I'm thinking, actually, I'm thinking one of the stories I had when I was at Race Racecourse, so not necessarily my entrepreneurial journey, uh, but I, it, it's funny, actually, now just thinking of it now out loud is that was my first job out of the Royal Navy. And uh, like, like in the forces, you get paid 24-7, you know, that's your, you never, it's not a nine to five job. And I totally embraced Aintree in the same way. And I was uh, looked after conference and banqueting and myself, Chris and George, Chris was the cleaner and George was the furniture putter outer. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was Red Dog. Red Dog was my dog. I took into to work with me every day. And I treated that like my own business because people were, the team, the jockey club, etc., cetera, the, the bigger organization were less worried about the conference business more worried about the racing side yeah. so i was able to build this business from nothing so there were hardly any events you know a handful here or there, and i was able to grow it but i took my dog in anyway beautiful irish setter um totally uh, totally deaf and partially sighted so not not the best guard dog in the world anyway mm-hmm. i'd let her out and she would run around and you know it was all safe space and whatever and the next minute um i saw red dog or willow as the name did it digging by the finish line, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to get sacked. I'm going to get sacked. Oh my goodness, what is it?" And what had happened is, is Red Rum, famous uh, horse, you know, yeah. a, a racehorse from from years years gone by. People would put ashes, you know, if if you know if they were put there. But that is also where Red Rum was buried. And the next minute I see I see Red Dog sort of digging up and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to come up with this like, you know, horse bone in her mouth kind of thing. And thankfully, that was not the case. It was the fact that people had put flowers down by the winning post. She was yeah. trying to fight with the cellophane. But from a distance, I couldn't see it. I kept my job, managed to grow the business. All is good. But yes, I think lots, there's been okay. definitely lots of mischief along the way. Um, and I, I think... I think that's the thing with any career, whether you're working in a corporate world, whether you're just starting out on your journey, whether you've been severely impacted by the last year, you know, everyone's been impacted in some way, you know, always feel like that. You've got to see things as a new, it might be feel really awful at times, but yeah. look for that, it's trying to look for that opportunity um, in, in what the situation arises uh, for you, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think it's been tough for people I'm trying to think it's not going to be like this forever and, and trying to step out of it to try and move it forward in some way. And and try, I mean, not every cloud obviously has a silver lining, but it's trying to look for that positivity. What would you say was the most valuable lesson that you've learned as a, an entrepreneur from, you know, a, a failure or a challenge that you've had?
1: I think it's um I think the the real opportunities are those. The kind of collaborations never, you know, when you have that conversation and whereby if you're in an organization where you're maybe tied with the restrictions of the organization as an entrepreneur, it's in your gift, and uh, you know as you you only you can make that decision as to whether you want to step over the line with it and something happened not so long ago with me where i made the decision it was totally out of our comfort zone not something we would normally have done and mm-hmm. 100% did not go to plan and has cost money mm-hmm. to the to us as a business however I think there's the whole sense of the, you know, there's the whole slogan isn't there about building back better. I'm not Mm -hmm. a fan of going back. I'm a big fan of going forward. Mm -hmm. So I think you've got to take, sometimes you've got to break things up to step forward again. This time last year, we'd just gone into lockdown, haven't we? And I, you know, we had to scale down our business and it's scary. And you just think, gosh, this is, this is my child, Northern Power Women. You know, I cannot, we, I, I love this community. I'm passionate and proud of what we've built and created. What happens if it goes? What do we do? And I think one of the, the valuable lessons is to ask for help. I think ask for help. Never think that you're on your own. So again, it doesn't matter which part of your journey you're at. I think it is asking for help because you are not the first person to ever have trodden this path. and and equally you you can also offer value we're just uh, finished uh, just the last session on Monday this week of this peer networks group of yeah. uh, ten phenomenal entrepreneurs in Lancashire, and you know you start it where everyone's a bit too busy to kind of come to it, and then you, you oh, I don't know whether I don't really know whether I want to sign up to it or what am I going to gain. Mm-hmm. But when you've got you know sort of people from environmental, people who are farmers, people who were you know in the social space in the broadcast space, the magic when that comes together, yeah. I think the, the the most valuable thing I think you can do. For yourself is give yourself time to mm-hmm. invest in you. You can often spend your time giving or innovating. where actually, sometimes you've got to prescribe a whole dose of self-care. I'm shocking at that. Um, but, <laughs> but, last, we autumn, yeah, but last autumn I bought a paddleboard dawn to go back to the water. <laughs> it's there, it's there again. <laughs> and then, but it is the only thing that makes me put this this phone down. You can't mm-hmm. go on the water with that. You know, I'm good, but yeah. I'm not that good. <laughs> I think with an entrepreneur, your mind is
0: always consciously on. And even when you're with people uh, and you're present, you're not always mindfully present. And I think one of the things that I found in lockdown, because I was crazy travel up at um, like 4.30, getting on trains, going to London, I was like on, 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 on. I actually felt anxious when lockdown happened, getting up because I was thinking, where have I got to be? And by slowing it all down, I've been far more creative, you know, taking that step back, but far more present. And I've learned how to distract my mind by doing other things, you know, things that are not work orientated, because as much as it's a passion, and it is for both of us, we want to do different things, don't we? We want to be more diverse. And I think for me, uh, you know, I've started making bread and doing cooking and all sorts of things, things I would never do before. But it's the only time, truly, I would say that my mind isn't thinking about work. So if we were to leave today's interview with one final takeaway, what would you like to share with our listeners?
1: I think the and again, I think it's really uh, mindful of the the, the times that we're in. You know, we've had the minute silence on uh, at the start of this week. And I think certain people were really people re- reacted in different ways i think so i think the first bit i think is to check in on the checkers checking mm-hmm. on all those people who go out and i was checking on other people just checking checking on them um my my other thing is is about i'm passionate about paying it forward and being generous so you have things that come in your inbox all the time pass them on Pass them on to somebody else, someone else that may benefit, someone else that it's a platform and a stage, whether or not it's being, you know, sort of um, it's a link in a book or an article or an event or, yeah. or, or, you know, whatever it is, pass it on. Be generous with the knowledge that you've got and take that time to, mm-hmm. to, to give that to us because I'm a big fan of the sum of all those parts, the sum of all that makes a real difference so you know don't just delete try and find a way to share those opportunities i had um Number of people that were on furlough who were volunteering with us at the start and had this inter- this um, invitation come through for um, you know young people, the future future women to get part in this global conversation. And I reached out to three of these volunteers and I got them to go on it. Little did I tell them they had to do an intro and it was like you had the United Nations involved and stuff like that. But it's that it's those money can't buy things. Yeah. We've created you know we've created this Be Heard campaign because I want to I want to unearth those voices that you can't always find or you always see the same people on the same stages or in the media it's that I suppose it's what that that that, um that lieutenant commander did for me many years ago when he said he pushed me through the door and said you need to be an officer and I went I'm a short northern person I'm sure this doesn't fit in my makeup and he pushed me through the door rather you know sort of sternly then he came through it with me and then gave me a talking to, and gave me the belief that I could. We can all do that. We call that you would call that sponsorship now, wouldn't you? But yeah. I urge everybody to do that and find find a way to help somebody else. Whether it's helping your next door neighbour with their LinkedIn profile, whether it's you know helping someone else's kids with the homeschooling because mum and dad are frazzled with it or whatever that may be. Whatever it is, that, that opportunity as a trustee or a governor or podcast interview or, you know, recommending, fantastic book, Dawn. <laughs> um, whatever it is, pass it on pass it on and and because that is it's so important to pay that forward because we've all had help along the way so make sure that we we pass it on and and this is
0: it and someone's given us uh, uh, that first opportunity at times and and you remember these things experience is everything and someone giving you that opportunity or giving you that experience of working with someone or doing something, you know, it's still so valuable each and every day. And it's about enrichment, isn't it, in in life and enriching others. So I think probably the the common theme across it all is community and collaboration, isn't it, really? And it's something that we both very much stand for. So Simone, if people want to come and check you out, where can they find you online?
1: They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Simone Roche, king um, northernpowerwomen.com. Uh, we've got our power platform, which is a great place power platform.com, great place to put your opportunities for other people. There's your pass it on or be heard. Yeah, exactly. great way to you know unearth those those voices and fabulous uh,
0: communities and causes. And I think the thing is, is everybody can get something from them. It's so diverse that you literally everybody should go and check it out and have a look at it because whatever field or sector or stage or age you're at, this is why Simone has created it. So, thank you so much for today. It's been a joy as ever, and um, yeah, hopefully. well, there'll be more and more opportunities as time goes on and you know more and more in person so yeah thank you very much Simone so take thank care guys and thanks for joining us today I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and don't forget I'm going to be with you each and every week so download and listen on Dormagrow.com or on iTunes and come and join us in our Facebook community too all the details are on the website and I'll see you next week